0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Breaking news as the New York Riptide announced they'll be moving to Ottawa to start next season. Rich Lisk of the Riptide will stop by to talk about all the moves and the news that went into Wednesday's announcement. Plus, box bets, positive vibes, and a week 13 catch up. All that and more on OTCB. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire.
1: My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Box Lacrosse certainly brings something new and different to Canadian Tire Centre. It's a fast, physical, and fan-friendly game. The level of skill, speed, and strength is equaled only by the raucous crowd and party-like atmosphere. The NLL is a strong and diverse league showcasing rapid growth. With a terrific on-field product, Strong ownership and the collective relationship with TSN, we have no doubt that this will be an entertaining and exciting product that our fans will love and embrace. In addition, as we can see from the local associations who are here today, lacrosse in this region has a strong following. Lacrosse is embedded in our local Indigenous communities, and Ontario is considered a hotbed for indoor lacrosse, generating a large number of NLL players. In dealing with the Black Bears' ownership. They've told us how important the grassroots game is to them, and you heard it again today. Um, Knowing that, it's really easy to see how the Ottawa Black Bears will be another great addition to Ottawa. Brett and Eric, on behalf of all of us at Senator Sports Entertainment, we welcome you to Canadian Tire Centre and to our city. We can't wait for the Black Bears to hit the field and take their place in the Ottawa Gatineau community.
0: It is official, the National Lacrosse League is heading back to the capital of Canada. The Ottawa Black Bears are and will be your newest NLL team. And that is the major news story of this week. And maybe so far of the season. Welcome back to the Off the Crossbar podcast. He is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at pgreggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or on Instas where we post clips. Um, things like that at OTCB podcast. It's crazy to think that we saw the entire hype of the first ever unbox game and what a game it was, what a broadcast you guys did. It looked absolutely phenomenal on TV and had to have been even better in person. And then what, five days later, We start to hear some rumblings, some news starts to break out late, Uh, what, Monday night? And you're like, really? This is happening? Mid-season they're announcing this? The New York Riptide will be in Ottawa come next season. What a switcheroo and what a complete catch you off guard moment
2: hilarious to think <laughs> that the Ottawa region are getting an NLL team before a junior A lacrosse team it is it is it is awesome it is great news i think it's phenomenal for the league i think it's phenomenal for the TSN deal i think it's great for the existing fan base of lacrosse in ottawa i think it's great for the senators i think it's great for the casual sports fan i think it's great for lacrosse fans in that area not just ottawa and the gatineau area aguasazne cornwall yeah heck even kingston belleville the Quinte area like this is outstanding news it's great for the game but what a, a kind of a turn of events. I think everyone kind of thought that Montreal was going to be the next destination. Yeah. The unbox game was a precursor to a potential team coming. Maybe the Canadians get an expansion team. But as we we progressed closer and closer, we, we started hearing rumblings that this was an opportunity. And as much as, as the positives that I, I, I said about this move, the one negative that I think is is glaring is the fact that for the third time, the NLL is leaving New York. Yeah. And Jake mentioned it on his show saying that, you know, you need a team in New York when you're building a f- professional organization. I don't know if there is, but... It's the third time this happened. I don't know how you can make it work, having a team in the Big Apple and making it survive. Like it almost has to be Joe Sy getting another team and playing in Brooklyn. It almost has to be the New York Knicks or the New York Rangers getting a team and playing in MSG. Maybe it's a team in Connecticut just outside New York. Yeah. I don't know what it is but for as great of a spin this is and as great of news as this is for the NLL for the lacrosse, I'm, I'm thrilled. This is awesome. Um, Maybe we'll get to some of the other details, but I wanted to take a quick peek into the perspective of New York leaving because that's a big story. It's the third time this has happened. And we have a team in, in Buffalo, obviously the pinnacle when it comes to fan Mm -hmm. base and and attendance Uh, down the road in Rochester, you know, I don't know how long that team can survive yeah, in starting. Rochester. Yeah. I don't know how long Albany can survive. Is it going to be a point where we only have now one team in the state of New York that is a stone's throw away from Ontario? Can box across really not work in New York outside of Buffalo? That can't be the case. But what we do know is it's three times now that – New York has had an opportunity that unfortunately it's fallen through their fingers. And I know the people that have supported long Island and I know there's not many, but like progress was coming. They'll probably say like, you know, give us another opportunity or if you would have given us another year, unfortunately, which we'll find out a little bit later in our our interview with Rich Lisk, who is our guest this week. That arena is getting torn down. Yeah. A casino is being built ironically the the Sands casino that is on their jersey as a, a prevent presenting sponsor <laughs> is, is is it's just they they had no choice yeah unless they move it somewhere else in new york this opportunity came to them and came knocking and they had no choice but to explore this teddy i i mean you've been you've been around this league for a long time you've you've seen all the iterations of new york how can the NLL make a New York team work or can they for that matter? So I think I maybe one of your
0: best mini rants of all time, by the way. Thank you. I never, like, I obviously thought about it, but like, I thought, yeah, man, this is the third time it's been to Long Island or in New York proper. It hasn't worked, but I never – got to the next question of will it ever work? And it's twofold. If like what happens if it was MSG sports and entertainment, or what if it was the actual Islanders owning the team? Okay. That would be a, a major difference maker right there. But in the grand scheme of things, I think there's just too much going on in New York for people to want to go. I think if maybe there was a smaller venue on long Island, it might have better optics. It might be a better atmosphere and the riptide were starting to do well. So they were starting to get a winning team. Like they hadn't had a winning team since they were the OG saints when Peter Schwartz was doing their play by play or their in-house announcing and they were going to like championship finals and in the playoffs. Like they haven't had a team since that that has been competitive. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it, it's ever going to work in a major U.S. metropolis that big with so much going on. I think that having the cornerstone of Buffalo in as the New York team is probably the way it may end up being at the end of the day. Who knows what Albany's future is? Who knows what Rochester's future is? It, like Pagula's talking about selling however many sports franchises that he's rumored to kind of be one to unload. What happens to some of those teams? So I'm truly of the mind that one – it's tough to say that. And I think other people have this kind of feeling. There are outliers. Colorado is an outlier of just how well Steve Govett unfolded that franchise into a brand new market. It became sort of the cornerstone of how you launch a franchise and not many teams have been able to replicate that. And, Having played in Southern California, having played in Edmonton, there are cities that just struggle trying to get fans. San Diego is doing a little bit better now, but I believe maybe this is a hot take that the National Lacrosse League strength is places along the 49th parallel within driving, flying distance, of a very short flight where most of your talent lives, most of your talent can get to, and a larger fan base of true box lacrosse fans reside. It will be very interesting to see how the National Lacrosse League looks from now, which is almost the three-year anniversary of New England moving to Albany, what this league looks like in three to five years. Are we more Canadian teams, finally, than American teams in the National Lacrosse League? Are we moving more teams? Are we getting expansion? The NLL has always said, owners always said, for this league to grow, we need new franchises. We need that franchise money to help the league grow. Yes. Relocating teams sometimes is a necessity, but you know, the owners want to start bringing in some fresh new money of that expansion fee money. So I don't think they want to relocate too many teams, but I think at the end of the day, in the next four, five years, we see a very different national cross league. And it is unfortunate that, you know, Boston has gone, come and gone twice. New York has come and gone three times. Sometimes in these big cities, it it's, looks great because you are owned by the big club, the NHL, the NBA, or whatever. But when you are the small fish in the big pond, sometimes it unfortunately it just doesn't work, Patty.
2: Yeah, it, it is. I think we don't have the answer. I, I Obviously, the current governors and the league doesn't have the answer. And I don't know if we ever will have an answer. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, if it is going to work or if there is going to be another stab at it, which I don't know if we'll ever have another stab at it, but if it is, I think you are right. I think it's going to have to be the New York Islanders and and Scott Malkin, Mm -hmm. the owner of the Islanders going in and, and buying a team, moving a team there, playing inside UBS arena and trying to make it work that way because as an independent owner, I just don't know how yeah. you're able to have the resources to bring in people because we know Long Island. It's a it's a lacrosse hotbed. It's a yeah. fuel lacrosse hotbed. Uh, they were making great strides. And, and I think what they were able to do maybe was was the, the ceiling, but maybe a team that has some resources are, are able to do it. But I, I, th- do- I think I think. One, what if you? it
0: is? The Islanders and it doesn't work for the fourth time. Then yeah. like now you are like we've done this four times. Like yeah, exactly. that's the definition of insanity. Sometimes, yeah. but we'll hear the, the the response and the the remarks from Rich Lisk later on. But the deal with the Senators and GF Sports is that GF Sports is still the owners mm-hmm. of the team. They're just the Senators are just going to be facilitating them in every single aspect of their day to day working life to make sure that they have success from sponsorships, concessions, merch, all that stuff, the use of Sens the sensplex like going to have their own practice facility within that group it is monumental. So they can still keep their ownership, but you now have the parents kind of running the house. So you don't have that infighting. So yeah. I think that's the way, it could work for some of these independent owners who maybe have to go somewhere else, but the NA, the NLL wants to be in NHL ranks. So, you know, whether it's the Oilers, the Habs, whatever, hey, you guys sort of see everything and give us everything that we need, but we're going to still own the team. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Like I was interested, I was surprised that Rich Lisk said that that was the case. Like I thought that there might've been some like, Fifty-one forty-nine kind of thing you know what i mean but it's yeah. no, gf sports is still the owners of the whole franchise they're just being facilitated by the senators
2: and, and you and you bring up a great point maybe this is the avenue that we see going forward instead of ownership um and, and it, it mitigates the risk um for the NHL or the NBA teams that have to make that financial commitment to get yeah. a team and bring them in, you got to answer to, um, you know, advisory boards. You have to answer to board of governors and, and to, to run it through the line of chain to acquire a professional team. Um, this might be an easier way to make that work and you can still fill dates in your building. So, you know, shout out to GF sports, shout out to the sense for, for doing that. And I think a, a big thing, when this news came out or when the rumblings came out, everyone assumed, OK, well, they're going to play downtown in yeah. Lansdowne and the news comes out. It's Kanata. People start saying, mm, I don't know, it's a long drive out. But the more I listen to their plan and the more I, I hear what they're going to do and leads me to believe that they're going to be able to make this work in Canada. I think with a great team, uh, with them partnering with the Sens, using their resources to sell tickets to current Sens fans, to sell tickets to lacrosse fans in that area, they're going to make it work. I think it would be a little more automatic if you just put a team downtown, you sell that place out about 7,000 seats, and it's an electric atmosphere from, from the jump. That lower bowl is is roughly I, I think I heard uh during I can't remember who it was who who mentioned it in the press conference. Um, but they mentioned that it was about eight, nine thousand for that lower bowl. And Perfect. that and, and that and if you can stuff that lower bowl drape off the top, yep. and hopefully one day Ottawa gets to a point where they can. Start peeling off the, yep. the, the you know when Toronto's in town or maybe when eventually Montreal gets a team or maybe in the playoffs. Like if it can get to that point, that's yeah. amazing. But I, I just I'll be honest, hand up when I first heard it, I was a bit of a hater saying Canada's a bad yeah. idea. People are going know, to I, drive, but but and I'll so just let me finish this train of thought here because it's it. just there is such a and I'm guilty for it. I think you're I think everyone's guilty for it to immediately look at the 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 negative and yeah. and think like oh well that's not going to work. Why aren't they doing this? Well, if the Sens are involved, they want their building to be used. And of course, we'll get we'll hear more about the decisions that went into that with Rich, but I think we got to give them an opportunity to prove that Canada is going to work before we say it's not going to work. Well, it doesn't doesn't work for the Sens. Look, look, on nights they well, the Sens have been struggling for a very long time. Well, there's also 41 home games. Well, the tickets are also pretty expensive. You can't compare apples to oranges here, folks. At bare minimum, the amount of lacrosse fans that are in that Ottawa Gatineau area and the surrounding areas of there They'll do at bare minimum better than what they were doing uh, in, in Long Island, but by, by just those folks alone. Never mind once you start getting into the, the fan base of the Sens. These do party buses from downtown Ottawa uh, to to get kids from the university towns. Sell ticket packages that includes a bus, um, and, and and you go to the game. It sounds like they're going to do a party area. Like let 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 just see this work out first before we start saying Kanata was a bad idea? I think
0: the, and I obviously don't know the numbers, but if you go back to 2001 to 2003, when the Ottawa Rebel were there, when Ottawa first got an NLL team, what are the numbers of people playing lacrosse then to what it is now? It's got to be tenfold, right? Mm -hmm. So there was a small contingent of lacrosse fans and those are the ones that were coming out and they you know ottawa wasn't one and 13 four and 12 four and 12 so yeah not great but their first year their average attendance was over eight thousand. then it took a massive hit the next two years but that showed that there is a need and a want for lacrosse and now the lacrosse community is so much bigger it i i truly do have a feeling that this is 100% going to work out and the mm-hmm. fact that they get they don't get a new arena in ottawa they get jeff freaking teat so <laughs> i think i think at the end of the day if this team continues on its trajectory of path to success and everything that rich Lisk is doing as a general manager and laddie's doing as a coach and his staff and everything this team is going to do just fine it's it's not like the rush going to Saskatoon, you're getting a championship team right out of the gate, but you're getting maybe the next best thing, uh, the best player on the planet and a team that is very much on the rise. So, um, yeah, let's let's stop the negative. Let's look at all the positives, and let's just give these guys
2: a chance to succeed. And just so other folks know, Nepean's only about 15, 14 minutes away from the canadian tire center like nepean is actually closer to canada like it it's it saves you and yes i know traffic on you know on the weekend is is miserable getting or sorry to, to Toronto exactly there's traffic everywhere look at nepean's registration numbers yeah it has grown they are one of the only centers not just in ontario but canada that hand over fist continues continues to grow, to, continues to grow, continues yeah. to pump up A-teams. Look at the guys in the league now. It's not just Kyle Buchanan and Callum Crawford as the two lone yeah. Nepean guys. Like, there's guys for Nepean, Cornwall. It, it's Cornwall. Cornwall, exactly, not too far. Aguasazne. Yeah. This is, this is a great move by the Riptide GF sports and by the senators and by the NLL. Um, I just think because it kind of came out of left field that it wasn't New York to Montreal because of the unbox. Yeah. People are thinking, Oh, this isn't going to work. I love this move. Uh, I think, I think Ottawa's well, well, well overdue f- to, to get another opportunity because the landscape, like you said, has changed so much, so much since the rebel uh, last played yep. in the NL to, to today's date. Uh, do you know who their all time leading
0: scorer is? This is just an unbelievable trivia question.
2: Play the only re the, only reason, I know, the only reason I know is because I look this up. Oh, really? But I would have never guessed, <laughs> never guessed this. Go on, though, because this is awesome.
0: Uh, 31 games, 44 goals, 68 assists, 112 points. This player played all three seasons with the Ottawa Rebel, the only three seasons he played in the National Cross League. Chris Knopoleth. Tell me if you've ever heard or thought of his name since 2003. Second on the team, Stephen Evans. (laughs)
2: Not Scott, not Sean, Stephen. I saw a tweet from Jack Goods saying that, like, with all this news coming, you know, he he really enjoyed diving into the Ottawa Rebel. And I do feel Mm -hmm. like the Ottawa Rebel are kind of the, like, Lost forgotten franchise yeah. of the NLL. Everyone always talks about the Express and, and them, and you and know, the, the Washington Power, the Rush, uh, you know, being in Edmonton, um, the Sting in some, Arizona, Sting in Arizona, the Ravens in Vancouver. But when those forgotten teams are yeah. brought up, Ottawa just kind of gets brushed under the mat. And I think it was because it was a short time for just those three years. And it was in the heyday of, of the NLL. I think you could argue today's NLL is pro- like when you look through the last 20, 30 years or whatever, this is probably the closest the league has ever been so strong to that, the early yeah, that 2000s, yeah. right? That era. And it's funny that now an opportunity again comes for Ottawa, an opportunity for Montreal comes, and then maybe it's like, do we see another stab at a Baltimore? Do we see another stab at a at a Boston, a, a Charlotte, like these other a Minnesota? Like do, do we do we see do we see these teams get another chance? I think right now, though, just based off what we're seeing, you said it. Earlier on, and I think we're going to see a lot more growth in Canada. Yeah. And I think it gets to a point where we're either on par with how many Canadian to American teams there are, or we might even see more Canadian yeah. teams than American teams.
0: It will be a very interesting next few years in the national crossing, but it was a very interesting. 48 hours, five days for our guest this week, Rich Lisk. He's the general manager of the New York Riptide, soon to be Ottawa Black Bears. He joins us this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. In a heel turn that hasn't been seen since Shawn Michaels kicked Marty Gennetti through the Bruce the Barber Shop window, uh, Rich Lisk joins us here on the podcast. How are you, brother?
3: I'm doing great. That was the best intro (laughs) I've
2: ever had (laughs) <laughs>
0: ever, ever. That was great. Um, yeah, you are maybe one of the most hated men, uh, on long Island right now, but obviously, uh, tongue in cheek, um, mm-hmm. a very maybe bittersweet week for you guys as, as an ownership group, as a team, just tell me all the emotions that have, have gone through you over the past 48 hours or so.
3: Yeah. I mean, bittersweet's a great word. You know, I came here four years ago to, uh, to do something special, and that, ha- and, and I want everyone to understand that that hasn't changed. Like we still want to do um, something very, very special here on Long Island, and um, we are the Riptide until we are not the Riptide, and that's our mantra moving forward. It was bittersweet, you know, telling players and staff and things like that. Uh, you have mixed emotions and and things. Um, I do think the team is, is turned around and we're playing in it. We're playing a different lacrosse game now than we were probably when I got here four years ago. And it's been a long haul. Like people don't mm-hmm. realize I, I got here in February of 20. Um, I think we had three games and we shut down for 18 months. Um, you know, so that was tough. And they launched this team in February of 19. Their first game was December of 19. Mm-hmm. I got here in February of 20, March of 20, we're out for 18 months. Then we come back and play a year under COVID restrictions. So you can't really have a lot of fans in the building and the players are coming back and forth with all of that. Then we had one, what we consider like a a, a year, a real year where you don't have all those restrictions. So this is really only the second year of having it be a real season and a real riptide team and things. And uh, and I think you and I have talked about this and, and Patty and I have talked about it. Like we've done an overhaul of this team. Mm. And Laddie and I were talking the other day. We don't have one expansion draft person left. And I believe, and I think I'm right on this. We don't have one of our first or second round picks from the very first draft that this team ever did. So it's a whole new team and we're just starting to hit that stride now with our, our streak we were on. And then, you know, we just played in Montreal, but we're, mm. feel, we're feeling good. So you get those emotions max, mixed up in it, you know, coming off of that San Diego game that we had where the place was rocking and everyone was having a good time. And that was a really good win for us. Um, but overall for the organization, this is a, this is a really good move for the organization. Um, and I know sometimes people can't separate organization and team, and team and organization. But from an overall picture, the organization this is a, this is a really good move. We had a tough time on Long Island, and and I think a tough time has to do with the, the timeline I just kind of laid out there. We just couldn't grab our footing as as we were as we were moving forward, and then with the uncertainty of what's going on with everything in Long Island, when this opportunity came up and we started these talks. Um, this is a synergistic relationship that works. I think you guys have been around the league way more longer than I have. And the teams that are affiliated with NHL slash NBA teams do really, really well. And they do better than the independently owned teams Mm -hmm. that are there. And us having this relationship now with the Ottawa senators is going to be, is going to be great. And then the other aspect that played into that was, and again, I'll defer to you guys because you've been around this sport a lot longer than I have. The Ottawa lacrosse market is growing tremendously, even from the first time I came into the league, and now they have a, a very ripe and 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 prosperous youth organizations. And they and there's a lot of players in the league now that come here. Where before it was kind of the Callum Crawfords of the world came out of Ottawa. Now it's Crawford and Firth and uh, Connolly and Will Johnston, and now the names start to flow off your off your tongue more. So I think adding that, adding in that we had a great, a great showing in Montreal where that marketplace is, is, is fertile for this Um, adding in the relationship with the senators. It just made sense overall from a, uh, from an organization standpoint to, to make this move.
2: You mentioned that partnership between the the two organizations. I think when people look at it from, A larger scope, they think, well, it's GF Sports handing over the organization to the senators. But that's certainly not the case. Listening to the press conference, reading the press clippings, um, it it is going to be a symbiotic relationship. Maybe go into what we can expect, the partnership between the Sens and GF Sports.
3: Sure. So, um, you know, we own we own the team. GF Sports owns the team 100 percent. And we've entered into a business relationship with the Sens where they are going to help us um, sell the sponsorships, sell the tickets, brand the team, use the resources that are in that building, which is, again, very, very exciting for for people like myself that now we will have, quote unquote, the NHL capabilities that these other buildings have and the luxury suites. Remember, in. In Long Island, we don't really have any luxury suites. We do; they're all the way at the top of the building, but no one sits in them, so they're they're, mm-hmm. they're not used. So now we have premium seating. We have restaurants. We have club seating. We have suites. We have the backing of the of, of the full senators' um, uh, staff. We're going to tap into their sponsorships. Now, when they go and talk to a sponsor, they're going to we're going to be included in that package when um, they're talking to their season ticket holders, we're gonna be included in that package. When they do other events in the building, so they have their hockey season and they have the other events and they have Springsteen or whatever, um, we, we can market to those people now that are coming into that building where we didn't have that opportunity before to do that. We were a tenant in the Nassau Coliseum and that's what we were. We were not owned by anybody except GF Sports. So to have those resources at your fingertips is going to be tremendous. And just the conversations that we've had already, you can already start seeing things moving in that direction, which which is great. So we're, we had ticket sellers. Now you have 30 ticket sellers. Um, and, and and they're going to be really involved with us on that. So, yes, GF Sports will own the team 100%, um, but we do have a working business relationship with the Senators as we go forward. And I will tell you from an outsider looking in, like we had our players there the other day and – The players, if they didn't know what the relationship was because we explained it to them, they thought they were part of the Senators. Like they rolled out the red carpet for them yesterday. Awesome. Um, They gave them VIP treatment. We had Chris Neal and Chris Phillips walking the guys around and talking to them what it's like to play here, what it's like to be in Ottawa, locker rooms, all of that. So we're heavily involved with them. Like we're part of the family.
0: Yeah, uh, that's an amazing um, experience and, and very well said. Uh, it's crazy to think that three years ago, almost to the day, New England announced they were moving to Albany. Yeah. Um, and it happened mid-season. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people were wondering, well, why the heck are we announcing this mid-season? So why was the decision made to announce or announced to move now? And how long have these been, this conversations been in the works?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, there's been – conversations going on for a while about the organization and what, and what happens and, and not folding the organization at all. I don't want everyone ever to think that it was more of what do we do moving forward? And again, with the uncertainties of what's going on and all that, what do you do? So those conversations started before, but the conversations with the senators heated up here, probably in the last four to six months, five months in that area. And, um, and you look at it and what, again, people don't, everyone doesn't understand what goes on behind the curtains. I get that. And everyone um, looks at it from different angles and things like that. And, and believe me, I eat, sleep, and breathe this team, like the Riptider in my blood. And, and I wanted to make sure, and Eric Baker, our owner, has said it a tremendous amounts of times, that we want to leave on the right note. We want to leave this in a better place than what we came with. And we are going to do that. But to give the organization a fighting chance to do well uh, off the field, basically, is you gotta give them a ramp up and you have to give them time to sell and get into the marketplace. And if you wait till the end of the season and you wait to what people might think is the perfect time to do that, well, when is that? That's June 1st. Mm -hmm. And then the season has to start in December, and training Mm -hmm. camp starts in November, and -hmm. the schedule comes out in September. So now you got June, July, and August to kind of sell and get out there into the marketplace. And that doesn't give that organization, our organization, moving forward, um, the proper ramp up time. And then we're behind the eight ball, kind of like what happened here with COVID and everything. You get behind the eight ball; it's hard to get out. So, yes, is the timing? You know, some people will say the timing is uh, not uh, the, the best because it's during the season. Um, but moving forward for the organization, it was best what was for the organization to put us in the right in the right foot forward.
0: It's the CM Punk pipe bomb all over again. Like we're just <laughs> just, you just announced that you're leaving. You're going to take the belt with you. Oh, it's just, it's I will, just, say, this,
3: I will say this, that uh, when we win the championship, that uh, we will be leaving that in New York.
2: Uh, <laughs> when we win the championship. That is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, Canadian Tire Center, obviously a NHL building. It is in Canada. a little bit of a, a hike for those folks that live in downtown. Was there ever an option or consideration to play in Lansdowne at the TD place, or was Canadian Tire always the objective for you guys? Canadian Tire was always the objective. There was not a, a – we didn't think about going downtown. We
3: wanted to be with the Senators. We wanted to be with the Canadian Tire Center. We wanted to be on that
2: stage. And, and on that note, um, if if you build it, they will come. And I feel like you guys, you mentioned it, the, the tide has turned with this group. You're playing the way that you envision playing. The team is in a great spot. The team has an opportunity to do something they haven't done since, you know, starting, um, you know, with the Riptide in Long Island. Having a guy like Jeff Teat, a generational talent, does that give you also a lot more faith that, Although you're starting new in a new market or a market that's being rebirthed, you have an opportunity to bring a really good team to Ottawa. Absolutely. Do you feel like that, that helps? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I think that's a huge, huge piece.
3: I think the culture we have built here and what we have done here, um, even um, attracting free agents to a team, you know, like people might say, oh, you know, they got free agents that came to a team that never made the playoffs. But that speaks to the culture that we have built and what we were building and what our our vision was that we were able to get across to some of these players. Like, you know, you look at a guy like John LaFontaine and Mitch Wilde, like they could have had their pickup teams and they came to a team that didn't make the playoffs and only won five games last year because of what we what we have as a vision and what our culture is in the room. You know, when we first got here, we were one in 12 and we got Callum Crawford to come here to play. Um, so that was a vision that started five years ago. So I definitely think going with the team like it is now and the direction we're moving is going to be great. Um, also with that, there's a lot of white noise that's going on, right? There's a lot of noise going on around the team right now. And my focus and Laddie's focus is, is to limit that noise as much as possible. Keep us on the right track, finish what we started. Um, Finish what, you know, I came here four years ago to to start something and Laddie and and those guys and Krause and and Jonesy have been here for four years with us. Uh, So three years with us and, and they want to finish too. But let's limit that noise. Let's finish what we started. And we are the Riptide until we are not the Riptide. And then as one of the players said to me, they go, Rich, we have a strong room. We have a strong culture. And basically what's going to happen is we're going to put on a new jersey and new colors. And that's not going to change what we do on the field at all. So we're going in a good spot.
2: I know you're saying you're focused on the task at hand, but as a general manager who did a really good job, you mentioned some of those free agents that you brought in in the offseason. You a little bit excited and now have the advantage of having a team in Ontario? Because let's be honest, the teams that are based around that golden horseshoe certainly do tend to have that advantage when it comes to bringing in players in the offseason. My God, the first time in my career,
3: like I was in Philly <laughs> and in New England and then, and then and then New York. This is the first time that I get to get on some sort of a level playing field with, with some of the other teams. And I'm excited about it. It's going to be great. And, uh, and our players have talked about that and we've talked about that publicly. And 85% of the players in this league live in the, jet, in the Canadian area, in the GTA area and stuff. And mm-hmm. now to be that close and, and be able to be on some sort of a level playing field with some of the other teams – is great. And, and again, I think the culture we've built, we're practicing midweek. We got that scheduled down, the players in our room, the leaders we have, and now you add this piece to it. Um, I'm excited about August 1st. Gonna
0: yeah. Hold. It's going to be a, a very interesting process for you guys to, to now move forward as a, a team that not only is competitive on the floor, but is competitive off the floor as well. When you were up there, in Ottawa for that press conference. How was it received?
3: It was received tremendous. We walked into that room and there was at least 16 to 20 cameras and, and microphones. And and um, what I was really impressed with is there was a lot of kids there too. And they, they formed a line when we walked in and they had all their jerseys on from the youth organizations that they play with. And and then afterwards, we, we did the press conference, and then afterwards, and a group from the Akwesasne group came up to us, and we started talking, and Ron John knows them, and we were talking, and they they gave us a traditional stick and welcomed us to the marketplace, and and we're going to work with these guys, and we're going to work with these groups. And then it was actually – it was heartful, heartwarming for me, too, because, you know, Will Johnston is our goalie, one of our goalies, mm-hmm. and Will grew up there, and Will says, you know, Rich, like – I have a picture with Chris Phillips when I was 10 years old and, and being in this building is tremendous. And then Will speaks French. So we kind of put him on the spot and he was a, he was a star yesterday, which was, which was exciting for someone like that. And it's good for me, to see that in the players. And it's good for me to, to be able to give the players that and work with them on this. So they can see how special this is going to be. And I think that we had Connor Kern and Ron, John and will. And when we walked out of there, um, they were like, wow, we're really excited. We're really excited. And then Laddie and I have to step in and be like, yes, we're very excited. This is going to be great, but we got to get on a plane and go to Toronto tomorrow <laughs> and, practice, and then go to Colorado on Friday. So excitement now business. When we get to co- Toronto on, uh, tomorrow night.
0: You, well, uh, I don't
2: know. Sorry, go ahead,
0: <laughs> Um, Just just talking about you know the excitement, and he, he, obviously, Will is probably through the moon being an Ottawa guy. So many other guys that are Ottawa guys are probably just as thrilled. But one of the keys for teams to be successful in market is to have players living in market. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that a big plan for you to have a, a good number of your guys in market?
3: Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. That's going to be part of our grassroots program that we put together. Um, part of this relationship. And these are the relationships that, that, that again, behind the curtains, people don't see all the time. You know, the Senators run a complex called the Sensplex right down the street from the arena. And the Sensplex has four sheets of ice and a big uh, indoor turf field. Um, we're going to rename that indoor turf field after the team. We're going to be able to work with them on programming it. We're going to be able to have practices there. We're going to have community events there. We're going to have camps and clinics there. So now, again, another piece of the puzzle that you can use not only to attract players, but also to grow our grassroots program and to uh, and, and to really get into the community. And then I, I think you guys heard, too, when the NLL launched on Unboxed. Um, The, uh, Ottawa team, the Ottawa team, the electrics at the time, Mm -hmm. which now will turn into the black bears. Uh, they had the biggest participation numbers and the most inquiries out of any of the unboxed programs. I think it came out to something like 13,000 kids in 20 to 25 schools. So there's a basis for us to start there. So to come in again, with the backing of the senators organization to have a practice facility, to have a turf field, you have players in market already. Connor Kernan lives in Kingston. Um, Jacob Gasparetti, who's on our practice roster, lives in Ottawa. Will lives in Ottawa. You attract players from from the Ontario field. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's exciting that we get the chance to do that.
0: Uh, you mentioned um, the electrics to the Black Bears. Why? <laughs> As you drink out of a Black Bear mug, I just realized <laughs> um, Why? This isn't, why
3: this, you... isn't on, this isn't on purpose. This is no. what the kids <laughs> call me, Papa Bear. So it's not
0: on is that your third logo? Um, <laughs> why, why did you guys go with the Black Bears?
3: You know what? We were, um, listen, Eric has said this before too. We both and more him. He, he came up with the logo. We love the Riptide logo. We love the Riptide colors and everything. Um, but we wanted to be synergistic with the marketplace and Mm. there's just no Riptides in Ontario. (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe we could have created one in the river, but there's just no. (laughs) So, um, we were all batting around ideas. And, and again, Having the backing of the senators, like we had their whole marketing department behind this and they were coming up with, you know, a good 50, 60 names. And Eric was thinking about the black bears and they have a great, uh, a very big indigenous population up there. And the black bear goes with that and black bears in Ontario. So it just made sense to to go with that. Um, So I was excited when they came up with the black bears. I think it's going to be a great strong logo. I love the colors of red, black yeah. and gold. There's a lot we can do with that and 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 really play off of it. But I think it was a it was a a group effort, a very 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 collaborative team effort with Eric kind of coming up with the initial going through their marketing department and then the group that we put together to really focus in on the Black Bears.
2: Yeah, the riptide of the Rideau Canal doesn't quite (laughs) have the (laughs) the surfing going in there or something. (laughs) Although, yeah, I love the logo, love the color scheme. I think it works perfectly and and ties into the Senators organization well. Now, I know you want to flip towards the current riptide, but quickly Mm -hmm. before we do that, I think a lot of people when that game was announced – uh, in in Laval, um, the unbox game, maybe some folks were thinking, okay, maybe they're testing the waters with Laval. Uh, was there any consideration with Montreal for you guys to move?
3: No we were we were going there. Um Brett approached us to uh, be in this unboxed series, um, which one, uh, and I've said this before uh, online and things, which makes me and the organization very proud um because it really is a testament to the hard work that this organization put in and where we've come from um to be able to be asked to be in that because there could have been you know 13 other teams to be asked to be in this so when they put us with toronto we were we were very excited about that in the back of our minds too you know we were we're starting the talks with ottawa and things so it just Mm -hmm. kind of played in nicely um with that um, I love this idea that Brett and Kurt Hunzinger are doing with this unbox series and showcasing our great sport to other, other areas. Um, and I think it's a place to grow. I think we've seen it. What happened in Laval the other night, beautiful building, you know, Patty, you saw it. It was a beautiful building and, and the crowd was into it. Um, I think at the beginning they were into us. And then towards the end, they were kind of into Toronto. So <laughs> they really want their own team, which was, which was nice. I was a getting used to everything in French and English, which was, which was pretty cool. But, um, I think the Canadians did a great job working with us on a co-pro and I think that market
2: now has some eyeballs on it, which would be, which would be nice. Do you think that, well, one, do you think that Montreal or Laval could have a team and two, you got to think that's a automatic rival between Montreal and Ottawa of the close proximity?
3: Yeah, it's funny because I sat there looking at the crowd at one point. I was in the tunnel, and I'm looking at the crowd, and in the back of my mind, I kind of know what's going on with Ottawa and stuff, and I'm saying – boy, this would be a great rival. <laughs> this would be a great rival, right? To finally have a team that close and they have a packed house. We have a packed house. We, we're we competitive. They'll be competitive. Like it would be a really cool thing to have. And then you had Toronto just on the other side. So now you got three in a row. It would work mm-hmm. out perfect. So, yeah, I, I was excited about it. I was excited that, again, you know, we had fans there from our, our players' families and stuff, but the majority of the people, and I would say 90% of the people were from the Laval, Montreal area, that wanted to come and see us. And mm-hmm. that has to be encouraging to the Canadians and to the league to say that there is a, a viable option here. And, uh, and, and, I, and I do think in the future that's something that would be exciting for us.
0: You guys are sitting 5-5 five and five through 10 games. Um, as patty said you know the the you still guys have to get through the rest of this season mm-hmm. how would you rate your team through their first 10 games
3: yeah i kind of i kind of um broke it into the halves right so my goal was to get i believe and and, and the pun, everyone is kind of saying that if you get the 10 wins you're probably in a good spot right so for us to get the 10 wins you know we had to go at least five and four in the first half and we did um, go five and four in the first half so that checked my first box um we had a tough schedule you know that that was a tough schedule we played a lot of tough teams so you kind of break up, you know the way I do things is we break them into thirds and you're looking at the threes and you're like okay if I can go two out of three out of this and uh, this one might be tough so maybe that's a one out of three so then you got to go three out of three out of this one to get to that five area um so to get the five and four at the half was tremendous for us and tremendous. I like to celebrate the little uh, victories too, right? First winning record in the history of the franchise um, getting over that hump, which was big you know, so getting closer to that magical number of seven, you know, we um, seven was kind of the number that I want to get over because that would put us past the most wins we've ever had. I know people might look at that and be like, oh, they're you know celebrating a small victory like that. But every victory is a victory as you're building a foundation of a house or anything. So um, I look at these little things. So I was very proud of our guys, very, very proud of our staff, especially the way we started. zero and three. And then you start hearing things and you start hearing things and you start hearing things and you start hearing things. And and we tr- did a good job of cutting that noise out and not listening, making adjustments where we needed to make adjustments. I think bringing in a guy like Stephen Keo at the time we did re- has really helped us back there, getting these guys to, to settle in and be together and play together. We've had a lot of new faces, adding guys like Wild and, Deacon and LaFontaine and uh, Madronic and all these different uh, guys we added, Kyle Matisse, get them to play. And once they got to that point and we got that first win after being 0-3, the room kind of, you could feel it change and you could feel it change and you could feel it change. And I said this before too. I think at some points when you're on, when you're in a team on the way up and you haven't had that winning record yet, sometimes the mentality is is that you try not to lose a game instead of trying to win the game. And I know that sounds weird when you think about it, but I, I saw during this streak that we went on that, Hey, you know what, we're learning how to win these games now. And we're learning how to win and we're winning these games instead of trying not to lose a game. Cause you start to grip that stick tight and you start to do a, at any sport you're in. When you're in a losing streak, you want to do anything you can to get out of that losing streak. But I gave our coaches a lot of credit and I, I, I praise them for this. They kept those guys focused on our principles, and we believe in this, and they could have went the other way. They could have blown everything up and went in another direction, and we didn't. We stuck to what we all said. We made a plan four years ago. Our plan said in year three we were going to make the playoffs, and we stuck to that plan. And, again, you tweak here and there, but you stick to the majority of that plan, and I'm proud of what we've done.
0: Over the past few years, obviously, one of the biggest concerns for yourselves and many teams has been between the pipes. And, you know, the Orlemans have been up and down and Will Johnson was hurt. But now Cam Dunkerley comes in. uh, You had him, you let him go, you bring him back. This has got to be a a great success story for this young man who has really shown that he can be an elite goaltender in the national lacrosse. And a big reason why you guys have made this turnaround after that slow start.
3: Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. And I say this all the time to free agents and people that I talk to. Cam Dunkerley is a success story to me because he got let go by Saskatchewan. I got a call saying, you got to give this guy a chance. We had a conversation with him and said, the only spot I have is a practice roster spot. And he was very, I love his open communication. Some players will just be like, okay, and, 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 and I'll back up a little bit. I always tell the players, I'm black or white, yes or no, there's no gray area. Don't think, well, what did he mean by that, or will that work itself out? And Cam, I said, Cam, what do you want out of this relationship? Because all I have is a practice roster right now. And he said, I want a chance to prove that I can play in the league. And I said, okay, what does that look like? And he said, can I travel with the team for a couple of months and practice and be there and and get in my reps and let you guys see what I can do. And I said, I'll make that commitment to you up to a certain day, right? Let's talk about this. So January, it was like mid January. If it didn't work by then, then he and I would sit and we'd have this conversation and we'd move in another direction. If that was the case, that time came. And at the time we were still riding what we had and Um, he and I had that conversation. He said, Rich, I want to try and see if I can hook on with another team. I appreciate what you did. Great. We parted ways. It was awesome. When we got down to getting um, hurt and we needed another goalie, I called him back. And because of, I think of our open lines of communication, our honesty with him, um, he did not find anywhere else to go. It made perfect sense for him to come back. He comes back, he gets on the active roster doesn't demand to be on the active roster, doesn't pout, doesn't rubberneck, doesn't do any of that stuff, just does his job, goes out, takes his thousand shots in practice. He gets on the active roster. He gets a chance to go in the game and he never let someone else take that chance from him, which then I don't want to say forced our hand, but then made our decision in the summer to make a commitment to him to be our number one goalie. So I say to guys all the time, because you guys have been around this a lot. A lot of guys want it tomorrow. I want to be on the active roster. If I'm not on the active roster, I'm not taking a spot. I'm not going to the practice roster. Look at Cam Dunkerley. He did. He had a vision. He had a plan. He was open and communicative about that plan. His plan matched up with our plan, and it worked. And there's a guy that really worked himself into. And whatever he's doing now, I, I am proud of, and I'm excited for him because he bet on himself, and that's the only thing you can really bet on, and he did it. And I, I, I it's a success story to me. And I'm excited to be just a little part of it.
2: Yeah. It's great to see the growth of him, uh, you know, in this league and, and you, you nailed it. He bet on himself and and he came home with all the chips. Uh, a give you, guy
3: give you One more example, Patty, before yeah. that, like people don't realize like he looks like a shy kid. He's young. He's, mm-hmm. yeah. he's uh, you know, he's people say, Oh my God, he's only a hundred and something pounds and blah, blah, blah. But his, his, uh maturity is off the charts to the point that you know we have our captains and then we have a leadership council like everybody else and the players told us who they wanted on the leadership council and he got put on the leadership council as a quote-unquote i want to say rookie right because he only had a few games last year but he he got put on that leadership council over some other people and that'll tell you um how much the players respect him and where he's at
2: that's awesome Callum Jones, every time I talk to someone from your organization, I've got to ask about this guy. The answer is usually the same, but every time I watch this kid, man, I just find more and more things I, I love about his game. Where is his ceiling? Like it, it, it's I, gotta be through the roof. <laughs> I think it's through the roof. I mean, I I I fell in love with
3: Callum Jones the first time I had a conversation with him. Um, I knew a little bit about Callum from what too. He played hockey. And uh, when he was a freshman, my son was a senior. So they played against each other in Norwich and Endicott, um, which was, which was interesting. But I got done with that call. And uh, I called Laddie right away. And he said, what'd you put? And I said, captain material at some point in this time, he will be a captain material. And he was never not our pick. I know a lot of people would be like, and listen, you guys have been around the drafts. There's always posturing and this and that in our mind, my I, my job was to protect that pick as much as possible, knowing what was going to happen before me, knowing Dyson was going, knowing that Poitras was going. I knew at three, if I gave up three, I wasn't getting Callum Jones. If I went mm-hmm. to four or five or six. So my job over the summer, even when we did the, the deal for Kyle Matisse, um, that, that third pick was talked about being thrown in there. And I would not give up that pick for anything Because Callum Jones was that piece we wanted and we were getting him. And when we called him and said, we're making that pick, he said, you're the team. You're the only team I want to go to. After our interview, he said the exact same thing. And I walked up to him at the draft and his parents said, you know what? He's the only place he wanted to be. And he has fit in perfectly here and has gave us an identity as a rookie He's kind of he's kind of taken that mantle. Right. He's 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 the guy that's played Lyle Thompson. He's the guy that's played on guys. Uh, the best guys. He, he saw what he did with Austin stats. Like he, we put him on Austin and he's done a good job. He's a special player.
0: Yeah. This has been a, a wild time for this New York Riptide over the last few weeks. You know, you, you talk about the win streak, the, the Laval game, the Ottawa news. How excited are you for the future of this organization now with,
3: you know, a a little bit of certainty moving forward? Absolutely. Very excited, too. And and I'm excited, too, because, um, again, it's hard, right? This is a hard business to do. And we took over this team. We talked about it before. We, you know, we don't have anybody left from the expansion draft. We don't have anybody left from that first draft. We brought in a new coaching staff. We went through the COVID years, we did all that. And now I see our team maturing. I see our team believing what they can do. But also on the flip side, I see our coaching staff. And now they can settle in and not have that. Ah, we're six and twelve. Ah, we're five and twelve. You know, what do we got to do? Do we panic? Do we do this? And and I and I said it before, that turning point of being that third game that we lost, to win that fourth game and start that win streak. Um, I was more excited for our coaching staff and all the hard work they've put in and what they did, which makes me excited because we are we have built the foundation here. And that's what I've I've preached since I've got here. I want a foundation. I don't want to be a one and done team. I don't want to, you know, be a flash in the pan. I want to be the teams that are consistently good, like the the good teams in our league. And and I think we've built that foundation now and what our future has in store for us with. With our draft picks and and what we're doing now, I, I think our trajectory is 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 there is no ceiling to what we can do, and I'm excited about that.
0: Two road games coming up: Colorado, Albany. You know, you, you put two wins in your in your cart, and now you're all of a sudden seven and five, and you're closer to that nine, ten win range. This is a big stretch for you guys. Uh, you, again, we we come off a four game win streak. You lose that game to Toronto, where you guys were much very much in it. Mm-hmm. The belief in that room finally has to really be, be there as well. Absolutely.
3: And you have guys like in that room that have done it and won it before, like Stephen Keogh and Kyle Matisse and John Lafontaine, and these guys stepped forward and they were the ones that speak and tell the younger guys what to do and and how to do it, which has been great. Like in the one game when we were playing San Diego, um, I, I went to go in the locker room with Laddie at halftime and we didn't have to say anything because Stephen Keogh stepped up and Stephen Keogh gave a speech. And I thought I was in like Hoosiers or, or uh, Miracle or something. I was banging on the door ready to go, and they came out on fire. And that's the stuff that we didn't have before. And that's the stuff that I think that will really um, put in the mix for us to do well. But this game coming up here on Friday is very, very important for us. How do we bounce back from a team? How do we bou- How do we deal with all the white noise we've been dealing with? How do we deal with the short week? Being on a Friday, you know, we're used to playing on Saturdays, and you practice on Wednesday, and you travel on Thursday, and going to Denver and the altitude and all that stuff that goes in with it. It's not going to be a, um, you know, the crowd there is going to be great. So this is a big game for us to see how we bounce back after that. And uh, and I think we get this one under our belt, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Well, it's
0: WrestleMania season. I can't uh, <laughs> let you go without asking who you think is going to win Mania. But I want to ask, what do you think about Hollywood Rock returning? I love and it. his heel yes.
3: I love it. I think, you know, any chance that wrestling gets to have some mainstream in it, that's the guy, right? He is the guy. And, yeah. and I admire what he does as a business person. I admire him as a person. Um, I, I have only briefly been in a room with him. I've never met him. Um, but what he's doing now and, and getting some new eyeballs on this, especially during this time of WrestleMania, big one in Philadelphia, you know, what happened with the stuff that we just heard about with TKO and Vince and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, to kind of shift it and get some new eyeballs on this has been exciting and it's been fun to watch and see, and nobody can trash talk better than him. Like he will, uh, he will make that whole event just by trash talk.
0: Um, I can't believe the rock is a Paul Heyman guy. Uh, that just blows my mind. And I can't believe the New York riptide are going to be the Ottawa black bears. Rich, this has been a fantastic chat as always. I know it's been uh, a very, very busy week for yourself. So get some rest. Uh, enjoy the travel out to Colorado. Good luck this weekend. And appreciate your time as always, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That's Rich Lisk. Just very in-depth as always. And has always had a plan with this team You know, since coming over. And it has been a process but he really has overhauled this franchise to make it his own he said no expansion picks maybe one draft pick from that first year under reggie thorpe and and that staff it has gone a complete 180 and now they're unfortunately going to be on the move but it is as we've talked about um, most likely going to be a very, very positive move for the franchise and for the league moving forward. Let's quickly jump back in time to the week that was uh, in the National Crossing. Week 12 started in, or in Halifax. I know, Patty, you are obviously in Montreal, but a, as a guy that's very close to Halifax Thunderbirds, this was maybe them at their best. Against the Buffalo Bandits,
2: well, it was at their best in the later stages of the game. I think you could talk to head coach Mike Kersey and you know some of the leadership group. They'll tell you that you know at their in that first half when they found themselves, or even earlier on when they found themselves, what was it, eight uh, three at one point. In that second quarter, I mean, they managed to get it back to 8-5. But, yeah, from that point on, I think you can make a very strong case that this was Halifax's best effort. But the issue with this Thunderbirds team, and I know they're in a great spot, sitting in fourth in the unified standings. The playoffs ended today. They're hosting a playoff game. That's what they want. That's what the fan base wants. But their inability to play a full 60 minutes Continues to plague this team. Luckily for them, though, it was kind of flipped on a ten. Normally, they're the ones coming out hot and allowing teams to get back into the game. So, on a positive note, I think it's great that they were able to really claw back into this one. They were able to, you know, put up fourteen against Buffalo without Randy Stotts in the lineup. Arguably, Clark Peterson's best game of his career: nine points. Ryan Bedesh continues to just dial back the clock. He's on pace for his second best goal-scoring career, which is absolutely insane. Dawson Feed continues to be a great story. Aaron Woods, um, worst game of his young career with only three points, saying that tongue-in-cheek considering what a great start to his career it's been. But it's hard not to ignore him. We'll probably get a little into it. More in game number two for them for the weekend, but Warren Hill has a little bit of a short night, and it's Drew Hutchison who comes in and, and closes the door. You know, they clearly showed faith in Warren going back to him on Sunday night. Um, yeah. but the fact that Drew Hutchison was able to come in, shut the door, make 22 saves on 27 shots, and help his team to victory, I think was a massive, massive boost. Uh, of confidence to allow his team to feel like they could come back into this game and win this thing.
0: This kind of played out like uh, the Vancouver, Colorado games we've seen in the past where a team chases the starting goaltender and they have the book on them and their shots are falling. Everything's going great. And then the backup comes in and they just can't figure them out. And that's what happened to Buffalo. Buffalo. In that game, like you said they had that eight, two, eight, three lead. And then Hutchie comes in and Buffalo just couldn't figure him out. Like they got the first one early on him when he came in, but he was solid after that. And it's oftentimes what you see in the national Cross league and in many sports is offenses had everything working because they knew where to shoot. Cause they've always practiced and game plan for Warren or whoever. Then once that backup comes in, kind of changes your mentality a little bit. And now you're, you're guessing and you're not sure where you want to shoot because you haven't planned for the backup, but it does continue to show that Buffalo has some holes in their roster.
2: I just, I can't figure out this, this Buffalo team and it's easy to just say like, yeah, well, you know, they're five and four. They're still, they're still okay. Uh, Dane and Josh, you know, each cresting the 60 point mark, you know, they're really banged up on the defense. You can hang it on that. You know, Matt Vince is going to figure things out, but I, I, I don't know. They, they haven't strung together more than two straight wins, which they were c- coming into this game with, with two, two wins, a big win against Toronto where, you know, they look great for the majority of the game. Almost allowed Toronto to get back into it, and then same thing again with Rochester. It looked like they were really beating the brakes off them, and then weren't able to to where they were able to close things out.
0: Yeah,
2: I, I just don't know. I don't know. Can you can you just chalk this up to the fact that defensively they're banged up? They're yeah. they're they're missing DoHoga, I think, up front as well uh, in in terms of some depth scoring, but. I don't know, man. Something, something is just off with this bandits group, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I know that's what we get paid to do here, <laughs> Eddie, but I can't. Yeah. I can't figure it out. We're yeah. not in the locker room. We can't speak to anything going on there. Is it but a hangover? Hang- At this point, you think a hangover would be would be over already? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Play, but well again. I, I think.
0: Somebody in the NLL told me recently that they were concerned with Buffalo because they didn't really make any changes from that championship roster. Almost like they were content with the fact like, okay, we finally got the team. they was able to get us over the hump and this is the team that can win it. They didn't really make any changes. Then they lose Sweeting. Then they lose Bomberry. They didn't really replace that size and toughness on the back end. And now they're kind of paying for it. Uh, you know, they moved on from Brad McCulley. They've tried, um, what's his name? The lefty, uh, the fighter guy.
2: Emerson Clark.
0: Yeah, that guy. They tried him. He really hasn't panned out. Um, Watts has played a few games. He's looked okay out the front now that is injured. So I, I think it was a bit of complacency. And I may hear it from Buffalo fans or Buffalo people, but – yeah, I just I, I they're just not the same fearful Buffalo bandits as they have been the last three years. And yeah, I think a lot of it is injury. I think a lot of these guys have been playing a shit tunnel across over the last few years. There's probably some tired bodies and a lot of guys that are still pretty banged up that are playing through it. But so much character within that group. I think even if they stumble into the playoffs. I think they're one of those teams where you just have to be wary of them because they are still the Buffalo Bandits, even though they haven't looked like the championship bandits or the team that's gone to, you know, back-to-back championships and been one of the perennial finalists for the past decade or so. But there does have to be some worry in that room that things just aren't going right for them right now, but they'll get another shot this weekend to try to right the horse and kind of, Move on from that and and kind of write that ship. Um, let let's focus on Montreal. Obviously, Philadelphia got a much needed win uh, to start the back half of their season over Las Vegas. Um, Palace gets the game winner for Albany as Ty Kurtz has a you know a career night. You know, what was a wild fourth quarter, and then the Calgary game. I think Calgary is a team that really should be feared in the National Cross League, and we can maybe touch about them as we look at Week Thirteen, but. Toronto at New York in Laval was the highlight of the week uh, before we got the, the, the relocation news. But you were there. How unbelievable was it inside that arena?
2: It was phenomenal, man. It it filled up. The lower bowl was close to filled. It was a knowledgeable lacrosse fan base. It was loud. It started. The, it was very poetic the way the night began the Toronto Rock hitting the floor and then booing them (laughs) by the end of the night, giving the two teams a standing ovation for their efforts. It it really was cool. I had goosebumps up in the booth, seeing that um, they waited for the handshake and didn't care about the traffic leaving that arena, that arena though. Oh my God. It is, it's almost like, he was created in a lab for NLO lacrosse. <laughs> it's brand spanking new. The concourses are gorgeous. Press box is great. Seats look nice. It's a, a great vantage point. It looks like um, actually one of, one of the guys I, I work with lives in Montreal um, and he's fallen in love with lacrosse and awesome. he was there and he said just the vibes in there was great. And uh, he said it like, I hope we get a team. This would be phenomenal. And I think they're going to get a team uh, from all indications that I've heard rumblings. The Montreal Canadiens were were thoroughly impressed. Um, and, you know, all things considered, like there was no rooting interest on either side for Montreal. What happens when there is a team? Yeah. When – It's a Montreal team. It's a team that they can get behind. Like, I I think that place could be filled. The lower bowl definitely filled. I think it holds about twelve thousand. Like, I think eventually one day they could get they could fill that place up and they could have that momentum um, leading there. But it it was really cool. Shout out to to the NLL um, for putting on such an awesome event. It was great. Uh, The local support from uh, the Quebec community was awesome. Talked to a few folks there that, that is ingrained in the lacrosse community and they were excited for it. And mind you, it's not quite where we see the Ottawa grassroots level is right now, but man, it's, it's a resurging lacrosse area. Uh, Steph Charbonneau was there, which was pretty cool to have a guy that's in the NLL, um, did some interviews. He was on the RDS call, which shout out to those guys. They did a great job too. Um, it was just it, – it was really, really nice uh, to see everything come together because it feels like it was just yesterday we were on that Zoom call, that press conference, and talking about that game and everyone wondering, like, how is this going to work out? Well, I think it met expectations and, if possible, yeah. maybe even beat expectations.
0: Yeah, and, and shout out to the entire TSN crew, um, you know, just talking with Bucky – Peter Buchanan, our producer, while we were in Calgary, you know, just about, you know, and even Coatsy, the, the director, who had to fly in on a last-minute call and just talking with, you know, the, the camera operators and, and giving them their instructions and them being very open and welcoming to comments and instruction because none of those guys had ever filmed a lacrosse game before from a stamp standpoint. Then you got the, the handheld camera on the floor catching all the action, it just looked clean. Um, did you get on the turf? What did you think? What was some of the reaction from the players about the turf?
2: First first off, I want to say one thing about the crew. Yes, the phenomenal job. The one guy up in the booth with us, our A2. Um, I cannot believe I'm forgetting his name. Oh, Shame on man. me. But he he came up to us and said, you know, we we're chatting with him, and he was all excited for the game. and. So this is my first lacrosse game uh, in a long time. I said, "Oh, you've done some lacrosse? Was it back when Montreal had a team?" He goes, "No, um, I I flew out to Edmonton for uh, a championship game way back when." And he's like, "That's the last time I, I've actually okay. watched a game." And uh, you know, after the game, I say, "So I guess you're probably not going to wait that long until you watch a game again." And he <laughs> said, "Looks at me and said." We got to get a team here, man. That was (laughs) awesome. Awesome. Um, But but anyways, back to the turf. I I mean, I seem to like it. I mean, I wasn't running around crease diving, picking up loose balls, but it it felt comfortable on your your feet. Um, It looked great. There was no creases. It wasn't rolling up. There were no bumpy spots. Um, It looked clean. Yeah, you know what? Would have liked to see a little more color in the creases behind the net. Um, mind you, this is a turf that obviously, you know, just came. Um, they had the 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 decal uh logos for sponsors and and the big uh big logo at center. Like I think if you are to use that going forward, you would definitely like to see a little more color. I just liked yeah. it. It looked it looked clean. Um kind of gave a little bit of like an old school vibe to it as well, which mm. I thought I think if you if teams do use that and add some more color, have more painting, have more, you know, design in the actual turf itself. It's great. And talking to the guys, which at the end of the day, they're the guy It's them who, who matters the most. They seem to like it and a lot of the guys that I talked to as well said, "Well, I've already, you know, I've played similar turf in in Brampton or in Peterborough or in Langley." So the guy it's not like for for a lot of the guys it was the first time they've ever played on it. They said it's different, but like, you know, it's comfortable. It, yeah. it's it's nice. So yeah, I think I, I think if you you
0: can trim it a little bit, like the, you can—I don't know if you can customize it or just the 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 blades that they have to cut it. You can cut it down a little bit so it's not as long. Because I think the the turf and Langley is a little longer, so it does slow the ball down a little bit and does kind of slow your feet down a little bit. Um, so obviously that can be tinkered with. But you're right, the 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 giant crests at center floor took a bit of a beating with all the face-offs that were happening but those are supposed to like be on there for like 24 hours from the fully adhere that was put on five hours before the game just because of all the prep that they had to put in so i do agree with you if it does become the norm i think we will see teams have the ability to you know paint the creases or paint behind uh the goal line extended put logos at center uh, probably pretty easy to put you know custom logos for your sponsors on them and and things like that. So just it it did look very cool. I'm very interested to see if that becomes something that is used by future teams. As you mentioned, Brampton has it. Peterborough has it. Langley has something similar. So um, to the game uh, for a more pointed uh, in-depth analysis, did the fight really change the momentum in that game?
2: I don't. I don't necessarily think if it, it it changed the momentum, but the momentum was still. It was already on the rock side, and I think it just completely f- allowed Toronto to grab the game and run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it's two guys that definitely aren't you know known for going toe to toe, and two guys that are relied heavily. Um, to play some significant minutes into s- some significant roles when you see those two guys go toe to toe especially when it's a it's a lopsided affair like we saw of course that's 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 gonna get the juices flowing no doubt it was chippy um you know pretty much the that entire, You know that I don't want to say the entire game, but like from there was an edge to the uh, game the whole night. There was definitely an edge to the game, and then that kind of just broke things open. And and um, you know, I I definitely felt like the momentum was starting to 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 go on to Toronto's side. But after that fight, it was like the floor completely shifted and opened up the floodgates and allowed Toronto to feel like they were in the driver's seat and they took over from the game.
0: Uh, Not all positive news from that game, though, as the Rock announced that Chown Rogers will be out for the foreseeable future, what, four to six weeks? Uh, I think they said that is not good news for Chown. I think you guys said on the broadcast, or Ashley might have said it, that it was an upper body injury. That's what they're saying um, is the case that he's being moved to the IR. So that is a huge loss for the Toronto Rock. They do pick up Alex Q. From Buffalo for a six rounder, but he's not going to make up a challenge Rogers. But how much does this affect the Toronto Rock moving forward? Because he's
2: you know along with Nick Rose an MVP candidate. It's 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 detrimental for this Toronto team just with the significant minutes um, that he logs and and the big time minutes that he logs. He's a guy that plays out both doors. We've seen him play a little O, a little D, plays penalty kill. He's on the face-off team. He'll sometimes play on the power play. You can't replace that. You really, you simply can't replace him. He I always get a kick out of it. You know, when you watch the clips from practice midweek at the track, he's wearing a red jersey because he's got to bounce between the whites (laughs) and the blues between the O the O and the D. He's a weapon. And you know, his his numbers aren't nearly as eye-popping as, as some of the years past when he's been in a more offensive role with the goals and the assists or when he's been more of a defensive role with the cause turnovers and the loose balls, but I think it'd be hard to argue that this isn't hit one of his best seasons that we've seen just with all the things he can do, and you're not going to be able to replace that. Just simply, you can't. Um, what's going to have to happen is more guys on the back end are going to need to step up even more. And more guys on the o-, o end, on that right side, are, are, are going to have to step up as well. It's going to be a whole team effort to try to fill that void. And, uh, you know, we've seen Toronto survive with Challen out of the lineup before, with, you know, Mitch DeSnoo last year, some big names uh, before. They'll, they'll get through it, but at such a crucial time of the season, Um, it's really going to hurt them, and they're going to need to find a way to tread water and and, and keep afloat until their captain does come back.
0: Uh, That's not positive news for The Rock, but positive vibes continue to ride here on Off the Crossbar. Oh, yeah.
2: Got to stay positive, right? We got to give them that. Positive vibes only. The floor is yours,
0: Mr. Gregoire, for one of the greatest
2: positive vibes of the season. Yeah, we, we know that the Every Child Matters initiative is back, uh, which it's super excited. Not only is it back, it's extended and it, it does start this weekend. Um, and what better way to kick it off than with two unbelievable jerseys uh, from the Buffalo Bandits and the Toronto Rock with their indigenous heritage jerseys buffalo uh there's designed by frank brown's sister allison uh scott loffler telling me on twitter um just gorgeous jerseys giving the the homage to the seneca nation um some really cool ties go to their social media you can check them out there uh you also can place a bid on the jerseys themselves and uh mohawk territory artist Corey park designed the rock jerseys uh last year he did some awesome merch uh, for that game with Bar Down Lacrosse that was available in in um, the arena. Uh, they took it to the next level and allowed him to design the jerseys. The logo that he designed last year as well is on the front of the jersey. Uh, again, go to their social; you can see all the breakdown of of the meaning and and what it does. And again, you can bid on those jerseys um, as well. Um, it looks like actually the rocker are going to be wearing these nice chrome jerseys with looking at them right now, dude. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Super nice. They're going to look so nice. So that will be, um, on display or sorry, on sale, um, on auction. But, uh, I I also found out too, that some uh, replica jerseys will be available in the arena in Hamilton as well to buy. Um, so if you're in Hamilton, or if you can't make it to Hamilton or can't make it to Buffalo, uh, head to their respective websites or the social. Uh, maybe you can get in on the action by putting a bid on these jerseys. Yeah, the Downey Wenjack
0: Foundation is where all the proceeds for the Rock jerseys will go, which is just uh, one, of, one of the great foundations out there, uh, just trying to continue building the bond between the indigenous and the non. Um, My positive vibe this week kind of goes along with my hot take, which was that Philadelphia with three wins is the only team I see out of those three win teams making the playoffs. Um, A huge win for them, as we kind of talked about against Las Vegas uh, knocking them off 10 to eight. And we've touched on it before with their schedule in the front half, how it was such a meat grinder, New York, Toronto, Albany, Halifax, New York, again, San Diego, and then Halifax again, like, That is a hellacious start to a schedule. They got the makeup game against Saskatchewan coming up in March. They've got a back-to-back with Calgary coming up. They play Panther City twice. They've got Buffalo, which will be a tough one. Georgia will be a tough one. Um, Vancouver, Colorado, Rochester, all games that they can win. I think there's a lot to be positive about in that Philadelphia Wings organization, despite how their season has started. So I'm really positive about their back half of this schedule. I think Mitch Jones is going to really start to turn it on. I think Blaze is going to have a great back half of the season. Joey Rez just continues to be an all-star. But I think the biggest point is going to be in between the pipes with Zach Higgins. I think he has a chance to really turn it on here in the back half. So I think let's just not – if you're a Wings fan, it's not panic. It's not going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't worry. They're going to win some games. They're going to get to the playoffs and they're going to have a fantastic second half of the season. Um, Speaking of the playoffs, Patty, you kind of mentioned it with Halifax. If they started today, we have some unbelievable first round matchups in the National Cross League. Toronto, Panther City, Albany, New York, San Diego, Buffalo, Halifax, Georgia, as it stands right now. Could you get down on that?
2: in a one-game playoff scenario? Absolutely. I mean, I would be terrified of those, just the the matchups you you laid out there. I think, oh, man, like, you could make a case, again, it's this, I mean, you see it every every week with the uh, unified stand. You can make a case that Eight could beat one. Two could beat seven. Like I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be great. Uh, I think we'll still see a lot of shuffling, oh, yeah. especially from like that five to twelve spot. I think yep. we're gonna see a lot of shuffling and, and ruffling. Um, heck, you could probably even throw that fourth place in there. I, Albany. We'll see what happens down the stretch here. Maybe they fall a little bit, but I think Toronto and and San Diego. I'd have a hard time seeing them fall out of the top three at this point but oh man the, the unified standings could not have come in a better year maybe maybe we would have seen similar things uh results if we did switch to it in previous years but just with the parody uh that we're seeing this year uh, it, it couldn't have come at a better time man
0: Week 13 in the National Cross League is upon us. Every team in the NLL is in action. It starts on Friday, New York at Colorado. Obviously, New York trying to bounce back. Colorado trying to find any source of life. They're 3-7. and Uh, They are not in a good spot right now. We look at Buffalo, and we just can't put our finger on it. Can you
2: put a finger on what's going on down in Colorado? I can't, and I don't know really if – if anyone can right now it's it's very uncharacteristic the goals against average minus 23 dylan ward really not looking much like himself uh he has gotten better the offense really doesn't have much of an identity the defense has been has been okay good enough um i guess not good enough considering the record but uh again similar how i couldn't put a finger on what's going on with Buffalo. That seems to be the case here for Colorado with the unified standings. I know we always say like, you got to collect wins um, early on, but the fact that it's so bunched up between eight to 15, a couple of wins here and they're right back at it. But I think if they yeah. drop this week and maybe not even next week, like if they drop this week, I'm almost wondering if it's time to start thinking about selling off and 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 focusing on the future. I, I don't know. You you you've been around Colorado for many years. Yeah, it, it's you, strange, it, man. It, it's strange. It's weird, right? It, it is.
0: It. Yeah, and I don't know. I. You, you don't want to just place it on not having Ryan Lee because that's not been the only issue. They're, they're minus 23 goal differential, so that's twofold. You know they're only, They only have 104 goals. They've given up 127, so you're thinking, okay, they play, played 10 games. They're averaging 10 forward, almost 13 against. That is complete opposite of what has been the M.O. for the Mammoth for the past five years. They've always been a team that's prided themselves on keeping teams under 10. And scoring fourteen, and it just hasn't been there. It, I don't know if the message has gone dry within that room. Uh, I don't know if it's just teams are starting to figure them out a little bit. If they haven't really kind of tinkered, but you know they bring in Dan McCray to run the defense. Not sure how much he's kind of changed what they're doing. Yeah, it, it's much. It's a it's a strange one, man. It's crazy to see the two teams that have gone to the finals kind of struggling. And maybe it is much like the bandits that they're, they're banged up They're They've played a lot of lacrosse over the last few years. And maybe it's just a, a sign of the times that you're right, you know, another loss here or two and they do not blow it up, but just kind of start to refill the cabinets with picks and young and young bodies and move on from some guys and, and just kind of refresh So it'll be very interesting. But this is a a massive stretch for the Colorado Mammoth, who, like I said, we have New York this weekend uh, and then have Saskatchewan, Toronto, and Rochester through the month of March. Not an easy schedule. They only have one, only three road games left, Toronto, Vegas, Halifax. So you're right. Man, a couple more losses, and this is definitely a team that's probably doing some selling at the March 12th deadline. The second game, on Friday night, Georgia at San Diego. This will be a fantastic game. These two teams always play exciting lacrosse. Georgia got to come all the way to the coast for that one. San Diego looks like, you know, steadily a, a very strong team. A couple slips here and there going against a Georgia team that is only plus one in their goal differential this year. So they've been in some tight battles. I expect nothing less from this game.
2: Yeah, this one's circled definitely on the schedule. We haven't seen San Diego lose consecutive games yet this year. They dropped that that second game to Buffalo, um, and then beat Rochester. Lost to to the Desert Dogs, and they rattle off four wins. And then last game, lose to the Riptide. You know, only give up ten, but still find a way to lose. I think they're going to be you know hungry. I think they're going to be pissed off. They had a week to rest up, and I think we're going to see a very motivated, a very um, determined San Diego team. And I think it's time for for Georgia. I know they they're they're winners of their last two, but if you ask them, they probably still haven't played their best lacrosse. But they found ways to win. They they mm-hmm. beat the Warriors in, in overtime and they have a you know pretty good win against against Rochester after losing three straight. So I think this is a, a huge prove it spot for this Georgia team to to say, hey, we're our record isn't a fluke. Yeah, we belong in the top echelon of the National Lacrosse League and we're here to stay.
0: San Diego sitting at six and three, just a game out of first place. They truly believe that they are the best team in the National Cross League. It starts with Westberg, uh, Austin Sotts. Is it a sort of a sign of the time that those are the two guys that are really leading this team and it's not Dixon and Dobie?
2: Um I mean Dixon. Dixon still has forty four points. Well, I'm not saying he's had a terrible year. No, anything, I know but, what you're saying.
0: And the younger guys are starting to step up and lead this team.
2: Yeah, I, I th- definitely think so. I think when you look at Stots and Berg, they're they're stepping in, especially Stots stepping into the prime of their career, and uh, Berg again last year you could have put him into the candidacy for for MVP. Um, I think that's just you know players recognizing that. Stotts and Berger on another level right now. Yeah, let them get their touches, let them get their looks, um, and and it's there's no doubt that you know when it comes to to the big games, um, you know, Dobie and Dixon are are gonna get theirs. They're they're gonna find ways to to contribute, but it's just it's hard not to keep the ball in those two guys' hands right now with yeah. the way they're playing. Both of them with fifty four points each. Stotts nearly already 30 goals. Berg, almost 40 assists. Like these two guys, if they were on separate teams, I think you're probably putting them in MVP conversations. Um, It's unfortunate that that they're probably going to split each other when it comes to voting time next year. But, man, you could make a strong case for either of these guys uh, at the halfway point for an MVP. First game on
0: Saturday, Vegas at Rochester two teams that desperately need wins Rochester sitting at 3 and 5 Vegas 3 and 6 uh these two teams you know have had their moments neither team has gotten great goaltending at times uh, a tipping point for both of these clubs if they want to make a run
2: I don't know who it's more of a a must win than the other. I guess Mm -hmm. Rochester just considering when you look at like the expectations maybe that they had for themselves. But, I mean, you couldn't think of two more polar opposite teams uh, when it it comes to the way that they've been molded and the way that they're playing. Rochester, um, you know, one of the most dynamic offenses in lacrosse right now um they have no problem scoring in bunches fields and 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 smith have been so dynamic one of the best one two punches in the league i think outside of halifax actually they're tied with halifax right now four goals per game with with 13 each um las vegas dead ass last in goals (laughs) per game 9.56 um but when you look at this vez, vez, uh, desert dogs team, when they have won games, they've grinded teams out. They've kept it. If you go to uh time site, he's got a great article. I didn't get a full chance to read through it all because we had to uh, record this, but he doesn't really good breakdown on how underrated this desert dogs defense is mm-hmm. and how gritty they are and how, well, you know, the way that they do play, um, and you look at Rochester, dead last in goals against. Yeah. 14 a game. How does this game go? I think Rochester's going to want to want it to be run and gun. They're going to want lots of goals. On the flip side, I think Vegas is going to want to grind this down, take their opportunities when they come and try to capitalize.
0: Yeah, let, let, I you know, not to discredit Landon Kells earlier, he, he has had some great games and that defense has really helped sort of buoy his ups and downs. He's he still hasn't reached his prime. Degree. He's still a very young goaltender in the National Lacrosse League. So uh, I think with time he will settle in and he won't have those sort of young moments. And if the offense can kind of figure it out, I think they go into Rochester and play a very sound defensive game and come away with a victory. The Toronto Rock will be wearing their native heritage jerseys. We kind of touched on them uh, in positive vibes and they are absolutely glorious. Going up against a Vancouver team that continually tries to find their way. Um, Aaron Bold, you, you look at a team that's struggling in the Vancouver Warriors, but Aaron Bull has actually been fairly good this year. But they just can't put, like, so many teams that are struggling, they just can't put 60 minutes together.
2: It's, it's funny you say that because I, I kind of was – someone who kept saying, like, yes, would Vancouver like more from their goaltenders? Absolutely. But please stop putting this just on Bold. Like, yeah. it's not it's not right and it's not fair to him because, again, it's not all on him. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of games where you're like, oof, you, you really like him to have that saver. You know what? Bold was not at his best. But when you look at some of the analytics and, and the goals saves – against numbers there's other goalies on teams that are in much better spots that have better numbers uh, than him and it's not all on him and the offense is way too inconsistent the defense it seems like they try to overcompensate at times for when the offense is struggling or when bold maybe isn't seeing the ball that well um the defense though like you look at it on paper they're you know they you could put them up against you know almost any any defense in the league and they're right there at times they've shown that they're an elite defense we just haven't seen the offense and the defense click at the same time they're going up against a, a Toronto team that you know historically since switching over um, to downtown they haven't beat their own four They've struggled, and it's been some bad, you know, some whippings uh, at that as well. But this is a new new team. It's a new identity. It's under a new regime with Kurt Miloski, and I, I, I know that they want that to end. They want to prove that this is a different regime, and maybe they can take advantage of a little bit of a banged-up Toronto team.
0: Yeah, I absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Uh- Albany at Buffalo, a little long road, I-90 battle, a rematch of week one. Can Albany do it again and beat Buffalo for the second time this season?
2: I mean, if you look at (laughs) recent play, if you look at recent history between the two teams, you're probably saying, yeah, Albany can win this game and maybe Albany, Albany will win this game. But this is a crossroads for the Buffalo Bandits, if they want to prove to themselves that this little skid that they've been on is, in fact, just a skid and they are still that championship-caliber team, they're going to want to come out here and come up with a convincing victory. Yeah. Um, I think
0: convincing is the big word.
2: Yeah. It, they can't just, they just can't come, you know, and, and just barely beat Albany or start slow and, and claw back or allow them to get back into the game. Like they need to have one of those games in bandit land where that horn is taken a beating and Swenny is, is getting the crowd fired up and, and Josh and, and burn, uh, sorry, Josh and Dane are, are lighting the lamp and you've got some, Complimentary scoring from Fraser and Cloutier and Madman stands on his head and the defense like it needs to be a top to bottom convincing victory for this group for them to get their swagger back, get that mojo yeah. back. We haven't yeah, seen I, that from this team in, no. in maybe since the rock game, but even then, like it was only for about half that game. Yeah. I, really I think have not felt that.
0: I almost want to see like as much as I sort of load the the quote-unquote bandit ball where they just tried to beat the piss out of everybody and intimidate them I almost think they need to come with that air about them that like that championship no mess around kind of swagger that he said like just go put the boots to Albany like this is a young team let's go you know lean on them a little bit Let, let's make it tough for Kurtz and Simmons and let's Make sure Marshall Palace is on the ground every time he cuts through the middle. Let's not let Ethan Walker sit back and shop. Let's get in hand. Let's make it a tough, tough night for these young guys. And then that will spur their offense because then they'll get the transition going. You know, Mickey will start running and Priol will start scoring. I think if they can get, you know, a massive game out of Fraser, like that's a guy that as much as Josh and Dane really, you know, lead this offense – Fraser's the guy that lights the wick that those the of the Roman candle those guys are holding, right? Like that guy can fire up a crowd and get that team going with energy. But I just think they need to come with that FU mentality. Like you're not going to do it again. You're not walking into our barn and stealing another win. We are going to prove that we are who we th- who we think we are. A- and and come out with, again, a convincing victory. It almost has to happen if these guys are going to make a, a serious push. And for Albany, if they do come at you like that, I think you just need to be composed. And, and you know, they'll, they'll end up taking some penalties. If they do, you got to make them capitalize and and, and capitalize on those, on those free possessions. So uh, I'm looking forward to this game. Georgia-San Diego was a great game this weekend. But I think Buffalo and Albany is going to be a fantastic one as well Halifax Saskatchewan Halifax has to find a way to win a game this weekend like they as as much as we talked about their their 50-50 kind of play they were good for streaks of games and, and not so streaky they got to find something they lost composure in that Calgary game they have to press the reset button and go into a, a tough environment in Saskatchewan
2: They've they've had the the number of Saskatchewan as of late, um, and they absolutely dominated them in that first game. They did allow Saskatchewan to come back in that. I think if you just take yeah. away that first quarter, it was pretty much a, a tie ball game. But they, they they took care of business. Unfortunately for Halifax, that's it. the Saskatchewan team is a lot different. They yeah. they are a completely different group. Frank Chiliano has been a completely different goalie. It's so cliche, but a hot start for both teams are so mm-hmm. so paramount. If you're Saskatchewan, if you can jump on them quick, maybe Halifax starts to unravel again like they, they did against Calgary. If you're Saskatchewan and you don't jump out on them and you allow Halifax to put that loss against Calgary in their back pocket and they feel like, okay, that was just a blip on the radar. We're back. We're ready to roll. Uh, having a confident group with it sounds like all indications that Randy Sots will be back. At least uh, Daily Dive is reporting it. Haven't seen the, the waiver wire yet. Um, haven't heard. That's just, you know, going off what, what we're seeing on Twitter. Um, and I think it kind of matches the timeline that we were told initially. Yeah. He, he was in, I think you saw Was he in yeah, Calgary? he was in
0: Calgary. And, and the Curse said that he, he probably could have played him against Calgary, but they'd rather him at 100%. And the,
2: his timeline was this coming weekend. There you go. So it all checks out there. Um, we'll see if Luke Magnan. I know he, he's he been he's battling close. back. Yeah. Um, Match Wilson's close. Yeah. So, like, you know, they're starting to get healthy. And if, if they can play, they're a group that if they, you know, play with that confidence. Um, they could put down that Saskatchewan team quickly, the other key to victory. And they got smoked against it in Calgary, and they did a really good job against Buffalo, and that's why they won. Reverse transition. Mm-hmm. Saskatchewan this year, though, they haven't had a ton of luck or at least success in transition up until that last game with, with Keegan Bell, who looked you know phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. They have the studs back there to yeah. run the floor and and run Halifax out of the gym, especially on that left side. We know Jameson, Banesh, Bo Hunter, Thede, they're big boys. Uh, it takes them a little while to get back to the bench or back in reverse transition. If Saskatchewan can expose them and not even getting goals in transition from their defenders, but like springing Zach Manns off the bench, yeah, uh, Robert Church off the bench, they can expose a, a, a weak point in Halifax. Like when you look at Halifax from top to bottom, there's not a lot of weak points. That is one of them. The other one is consistency in goaltending. Who do we see? Is it Is it Warren Hill? It sound looks based on him getting the start again on Sunday. Warren's their guy. And you and Brad were pretty pretty honest that, you know, it was not great, but he played much better in that third quarter. He did. But then the wheels fell off again. In the fourth if you want to win in the national lacrosse league if you want to win a championship if you want to go on a deep run you need elite goaltending and they're not getting that right now
0: speaking of
2: calgary they have the philadelphia wings at
0: home and we touched about how successful they were were on reverse tra- or in transition against halifax Zach Courier finally gets the monkey off his back literally and figuratively. figuratively in his celebration. Um, Shane Simpson just continues to impress in his transition game. I think he has to be in the consideration for transition player of the year, but it all starts with Christian Del Bianco. When are teams going to realize that late in 30s, you cannot fire softballs into his stick so he can start transition. as quick as a hiccup
2: like if if i'm a coach and i have my shooting charts like i'm not i'm telling guys don't even think about shooting five hole on them like don't even think about it especially late in the clock it's it is insane and it was a little bit of a slow start for the transition game for calgary but with like a blink of an eye that transition is back yeah you talk about Shane Simpson, hearing Brad talk about it on the broadcast, leading the league in breakaway. He's not just leading the league, he is lapping the field. According to Lax Metrics, 16 breakaways, eight goals. The next is his teammate, Harrison Matsuoka, with six, scored score two of those. After that, it's Scott Domini with four and then a ton with three. 16 breakaways (laughs) is absolutely nutty. Yeah. It's just, you're right. He absolutely needs to be in the running for transition player of the year. The fact that he is is consistently producing opportunities, spreading the floor, um, just his presence on the floor has offense is thinking like we got to keep an eye on this guy like 69
0: scoring on breakaways
2: and he's averaging 16 averaging just under two breakaways a game (laughs) that is insane
0: yeah and he's got such a a a plethora of moves too and yeah he's obviously learned a lot from what just playing with zach courier and what he's been able to do but like both those guys as soon as they get to a stride above crease they're like just taking off and goaltenders are just left at the mercy because they just have no idea what they're doing and it's yeah it's just almost automatic with him right now in transition and, and the way delves his plan is like i really think this is a calgary team that needs to be feared they're obviously a little slow start you know on under a new regime of Josh Sanderson and his coaching staff, but they're starting to understand the message and they're starting to believe that, you know what? Kurt Milowski had his way. It did wonders for us. Now we're under shooter. His way can be just as successful. If we just listen to what he's saying, understand his passion is equally as strong as Kurt's and they're going to have success. You know, Jesse King, 58 points, Tyler Pace at 43. Tanner Cook continues to play well. Um, You know, I think they like a little more from Dan Taylor, 3-16. and Thomas Hogarth doing what he does with nine goals. He's not a bunch of a ball carrier. So, you know, I I said he's got Cy Young numbers. Um, (laughs) I think they're okay with having a guy like that as a Cy Young guy. You know, doesn't have to carry a lot. Just quick sticks in and out. Uh, and I think they're starting to figure it out now that their defense is healthy. Robert Hudson has been fantastic. Now that he's in the lineup, uh, this is a Calgary team that
2: is very, very scary. Yeah. And Philadelphia is going to have their hands full. You talked about how uh, this is a big opportunity for them to not, not even keep pace, but like get back into the race yeah. for the playoffs. I think with their athleticism that they have up front on offense, um, and, and just with such a great game planner that Paul Day is, that that's going to be on their minds and that, you know, we're going to see a heavy dose of of, of Mitch Jones probably playing, um, staying and playing, but reverse the other way and, and playing offense and going back on defense to take away those opportunities. Um, it's a big, 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 big challenge uh, for Philly. But I think for Calgary, they want to keep their momentum as well. I know I said I had the Georgia-San Diego game really circled on my calendar. Um, this one here, I think, maybe with the exception of Buffalo. Like I, there's a lot of great games this weekend, but I think this one I might be looking forward to the most.
0: Final game of the weekend, uh, Georgia plays in San Diego Friday. They'll hop on a plane and go to Fort Worth to take on Panther City Sunday. Obviously, a big weekend for Georgia. Two wins would launch them up the standings. But for Panther City, again, another one of those teams that's sitting in the playoffs at 4-4, four and four, a ton of teams just sniffing down their heels, need to continue to build some momentum coming off that big win.
2: Yeah, they had the week off too, which I think is, mm-hmm. is, is good for them to, to rest up and, and, and lick their wounds. It was a hard-fought win against Colorado. Um, and they seem like a team that is really – Kind of the epitome of a week-by-week of a week league. Um, we're seeing it uh, on full display with Panther City. You just don't know what you expect with this team. Some nights they look like they can compete with others. Other nights you're really not too sure what you're getting out of this team. But it seems like for them, at least in that locker room, they're not worrying about previous games. They're just worrying about the task at hand. And, and their task at hand is hosting a Georgia team. It's coming off a of, uh, uh, you know a, a busy weekend weekend. And I think they're going to really want to build off that momentum of that mammoth victory. Maybe one of the better offensive performances that we've seen outside of the shellacking of Vegas. Um, Donville's certainly heating up. Ryan Sheridan, we saw him score five points. I think the catalyst for Panther City is we know Donville's going to get his. We know Crawford's going to get his. Malcolm's going to get his. It's that next tier of guys, yeah. the Knoxes. The the, um, Sheridans uh, start go chase. Got yeah. yeah, like those guys are the guys I got to get going. And we're not expecting Sheridan to score five every game, but he needs to contribute with at least three to four points a game. If, if yeah. this team's not going to just want to get in the playoffs, but do some damage, we know TK said at the start of the year. We made the playoffs last year. That's great and dandy. We're, we're championship are we're bust here. Now, mind you, if anyone outside of that locker room believes it or not, they believe it in that locker room. And a one and done in the playoffs will not be considered a successful season for Panther City.
0: Week 13, all 15 teams play all games available on ESPN Plus and TSN Plus. No TSN game of the week. This week we are both off, but next week – a massive doubleheader on TSN. We will prepare you for that in due time. Uh, Last week, you guessed Jason Crosby because you were doing your prep for our NLL jersey journey. You said you had a sneaky, tricky one for me. Let's have it.
2: I'll be honest, Teddy. I forgot. I forgot the sneaky one. I did. Hand up. I forgot the sneaky one. But – I came up with another one that I think is pretty good. It's, it's, I won't say anything. Well, I'll just let you try to figure out this jersey journey. So, this player started their career off with four and a half seasons in Edmonton with the rush. They then moved to Vancouver for another three and a half seasons, then traveled to Buffalo for two. Philadelphia for one and then two seasons with Toronto.
0: Hmm, I always tell you picking Edmonton guys is a bad idea. Edmonton for four and a half, then to Van. Lintz wasn't there then long enough. Newt didn't start there. This is the kitten, Corey Small.
2: Meow, yes. Meow. It is. Yes, it is.
0: Still, maybe, outside Ryan Manesh, Mark
2: Matthews, one of the pure shooters in the NL. Ah, man, he's just so much fun to, to watch, just shoot the ball, even in, in warm-ups or morning shoot-around. Just a silky smooth release. And it it's crazy to say, considering – you know, he scored forty six back in twenty seventeen with the stealth, where he had that a hundred and ten or whatever points. Yeah, one ten, yeah. Um, last year scoring forty, which was his second best. Like he's on track to to potentially have his best goal scoring season in his thirteenth <laughs> season. Uh, it's remarkable, and it's not just the same shot. He's he's almost added even more tricks into his bag. Um, pretty remarkable uh, to see Corey small doing it at the age of 36. Uh, he is sixth in the NLL
0: with 25 goals. Can you name the top five goal scores in the NLL right
2: now? Top five goal goal scorers.
0: Jeff um, <laughs> Teat. Correct. 33. Number one. Um,
2: Ryan Banesh twenty-eight, number two. Uh, we talked about him already. Randy Stotts, no, no, Not Randy Stotts. Oh, sorry, sorry, Austin Stotts, yeah. Austin Stotts, Austin Stotts, Stotts
0: tied at two twenty-eight. The next two guys have twenty-six each. I think you'll get one of them, maybe.
2: Well, Callum had like 80 in that one game. So <laughs> yes, you know, he's he's, he's there, there twenty-six. You got one more. And you said small's in six. So this Correct. guy this is, he has one more than Corey Small. Burn, I think only has like twenty-two. Twenty-three. Uh Fields a friend has, of the program. Fields has more assists this year, so it's not Fields. Like Lyle's goal scoring's cooled off. Friend of the program. Yeah. It's not Charlambeaties. I think he's only at like
0: 20 ish. 21. You said this guy's teammate. Oh, Ryan Smith. There you go. 26 nice. for Ryan Smith nice. for the Rochester Nighthawks. So, nice. yeah. t 33, Banesh and Audi at 28, Crawford Smith at 26, Lyle and Smallsy at 20. Five. See if we can win some money in the parlay this week because we did not last week.
2: Time now for box bets. Your source for all the
1: lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly.
2: (laughs) Hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. (laughs) Last week, Pat and I went head-to-head
0: and it was actually a pretty good battle. I'm not gonna it lie, was- but uh, we both came up on the losing end. What did the fans choose for us this week,
2: Mister Gregoire? Well, believe it or not, it was a tie. We tied. <laughs> so I decided, took it upon myself because we got I had to get this price. We had to get the price locked yep. for for our guys at Coolbet. So I did what every person would do, you know. Any smart person to make a decision, and I flipped a coin. You didn't use an app. I did. I should have used the wheel. wheel <laughs> way better. Way more sophisticated. Um, no, I flipped flipped a coin, and it was option number one that came out on top. Uh, and that parlay, it's it's heavy, heavy, heavy dogs. Sorry, heavy favorites. Yeah, no dogs. The New York Riptide, San Diego Seals, Toronto Rock, and the Halifax Thunderbirds. All to win. was at plus 510 when we punched it in and when the folks at CoolBet punched it out, plus 555. And it is already up live at CoolBet.com. Plus
0: 555. Look at us go with a nice little number. Nice tidy
2: 555. Five,
0: five. New York to win, San Diego and Toronto, Halifax to win. I can get down on that. That's, it's like I said, it's a busy weekend in the National Cross League. Um, how are our uh, futures looking over with our cool
2: bet folk? What else we got going? What else do we got going? Actually, right now, it looks like the futures are down, which means they are probably adjusting the prices. Huh? Um, which is interesting. But uh, I do know the Toronto Rock were still the odds on favorite last. I saw it plus 450, I think. Um, but yeah, so you'll have to head back there, check when they do go back up. Um, usually, if you do see them down, folks, um, you can hit me up. Hit OTCB up on on Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Um, sometimes they don't go get put back right away, but usually when they are down, that just means the prices are adjusting. So. Could mean a big heavy bet came in. Could mean, you know, not in this instance, but say if a player has a uh, maybe, oh, maybe it is. Maybe it's the Challen Rogers. News that ended up. Probably not, but normally it's, <laughs> it's someone's placed a heavier wager that has to adjust or whatever it may be um, that way. So, but usually during the weekend, if you're looking for the futures, probably won't get the futures during the weekend, but then they'll get reset back on Monday morning. They'll be up. You'll be able to bet it. And again, we'll come back off um, before the weekend play, just before it starts. So and I'll make player sure props just before a game start. Yeah. So t- uh, tomorrow with the or I guess today when you're listening to this, we will have uh, player props for the Riptide Mammoth and Swarm and Seals. And then on Saturday and Sunday, again, morning, early afternoon, you'll see those there. Are you
0: able to – obviously not saying who it was or anything like that, but are you able to see what the biggest bet that's been placed on the NLL is this year?
2: I absolutely can. I can't pull it up right this second, but let me write that down for Yeah, let's my do that bet. next week. Yes. Sounds like a plan. All
0: right. Uh, of course, if you head over to CoolBet.com and you want to play along, register if it's your first time. When you go down to donate or you deposit your first bets, hit that code down at the bottom, type in OTCB, and CoolBet will double you up to $200. So you get a few extra polar bucks, and you can play along with us. And as we always say, stay cool. Possibly. One last thing, the World Lacrosse Box Championships – Uh, are in 2024, this September, in Utica. Uh, World Lacrosse unveiled the men's and women's pools. You can follow them at World Lacrosse. Uh, The men's pools, Pool A, Canada, Haudenosaunee, United States, and England. Pool B, Israel, Hong Kong, China, Mexico, Belgium. Pool C, Finland, Switzerland, Japan, and Greece. And then Pool D, Czech Republic, Scotland, Jamaica, and Chinese Taipei. Uh, obviously, Pool A will be a slugfest between Canada, Honoshoni, and the United States, but I know our boy Evan Schemenauer thinks that uh, the Israelis will do some damage in Pool B.
2: Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing with just the way that world across, especially in box, I think it's a little more, the playing ground is a little more even when it comes to it. Um, but again, hey, uh, I, I'm sure... Pool B, um, the other teams there have something else to say, but I, I think, you know, the way that they're they're placed, obviously, it's through world rankings and and everything of that. Um, I know there's pool E, G, and F as well too. And I, me personally, I'm looking forward to seeing what um, Pool C with Japan. We saw how good they were in sixes. See yeah. if that translates. To the box game, but I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm excited to start seeing these rosters come together. So, mm-hmm. um, not just the big dogs with with Canada, Shoney, U.S., England. Like I, I'm, I'm interested to see what NLLers or what junior players, uh, if they decide to to go play for for another nation. Um, does does a Damon Edwards and Nick Rose do they go I, play? I think for they are. They do. Are they? That is. Yeah, I
0: think. Incredible. I think they both said that they were going to.
2: That's amazing. I mean, considering when Nick Rose could probably be a candidate to, to play in yeah. Canada based off the way he's playing there, so that's awesome. We'll, we'll obviously keep our eyes peeled as those rosters uh, come through. But um, if you can make it to Utica, head to Utica. It is a unbelievable facility that they have there. Um, it's going to be an awesome, awesome festival of lacrosse.
0: I cannot wait to hopefully, fingers crossed, get there and call a game with you. Um, you mentioned the other three uh, pools. I completely forgot about them. Pool E: Netherlands, Austria, Italy, U.S. Virgin Islands. Pool F: Australia, Slovakia, Puerto Rico, Hungary. Pool G: Germany, Ireland, Poland, China. We were obviously, or I was obviously, down there with Brad, AJ, uh, Nick, Acello, Cooper, Jumbo, calling the World Field Across Championships, and just to kind of piggyback what you're saying about what guys uh, would be playing. I can't wait to see uh, some of these nations and some of those guys that are playing in the field lacrosse game, uh, field lacrosse championships, you know, translate into the indoor game. Uh, It should be an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal time in Utica. Anything else, Pat Gregoire, what are you doing this weekend to your coach's dent?
2: (laughs) Just continuing to make it bigger and bigger. Uh, I believe this is the first weekend, Teddy, that we have all 15 teams in action. Uh, Maybe the second. Maybe the second. Okay. Well, regardless, we have have 15 teams in action, games all the way through the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So um, I'll be consuming as much lacrosse as possible because uh, the next little while, man, you and I are going to be busy with TSN games of the week. I know my March is loaded. I'm excited. We have coast-to-coast, back-to-back, double-header lacrosse next week. I'm in Halifax. You're in Vancouver. Um, And more Canadian teams, Teddy. Oh, boy. means more games of the week, and it probably means more head-to-headers, which is good for you and I
0: absolutely thanks to rich lisk for giving us some time what was a very busy week for him and the new york riptide organization they will be known as the ottawa black bears starting in 2024 2025 season next week we'll break it all down set you up for that tsn game of the week doubleheader have another great guest give you another chance to win on the parlay and so much more He's at Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an alcohol.